We've been in a series called Struggles. Just by a show of hands, how many of you guys struggle with that? something? At least something. <laughs> Some people more than others. Um, but this morning, we're going to be talking about something that I think everybody deals with, regardless of your age, your socioeconomic status, wherever you are. Everybody deals with this one topic, and it is the struggle with identity. Who are you really? So before we dive into this, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning, God, that these would be so much more than just words. This would be so much more than just simply a sermon. But God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, you would open up our ears to receive exactly what you want to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I were to ask you this morning the haunting question, who am I? Like, really, who are you really? Most of us would probably give a response something like this. Well, I'm rich, or I'm poor, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a business owner, or I work in the oil field, or I'm a paramedic, I'm an artist, I'm a musician. Usually, it's the first question that comes up when you meet somebody, and they ask, who are you, or what do you do? And your response is not necessarily who you are, but it's usually what you do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember very early on in life, um, I went to high school at Como High in Lafayette for one year. And my freshman year, they used to have this court circle. And in the court circle, there was all these different trees. And I'm about to take you all the way back to your high school year. Some of you are going you're gonna to resonate with what I'm talking about. In the court circle, there was all these oak trees. And all these different oak trees symbolized a different class or group of people. So when lunch got out and everybody would go hang out, and when you were a teenager, if you associated with the goths, you went to like the goth tree, okay? If you were like a jock, you went to the jock tree, and a goth better never be found in the athlete tree. If you were an artist like I was, we were all the weird cool people that wore skinny jeans. We all hung around one particular tree. You had all the band members and all the musicians. And very early on in life, anybody remember the middle school days when you're just trying to figure out who you are, and you're going through this process all throughout high school. Do I, do I identify with the country boys? Do I identify with the musicians? God, where do I find myself? And you're struggling to just kind of find this identity. Now, the sad part of this illustration is when we get older and we have kids and we have a job and we get married, this does not change. Okay, it just looks a little bit different. So now you get married and now you're trying to figure out where do I fit in? So maybe if you make a lot of money, you kind of fit in and you find your identity in the upper class, right? You find your identity in the home that you own and the cars that you drive and the job that you have and you like to ship champagne on the weekends and you're like, man, I just love to enjoy life. And then you get this knee-jerk reaction to the upper class people, which is probably all of us in here. We're all blue collar, right? Like, I, I'm not, I don't live the high life. I definitely don't ship, sam, ship sip champagne. I love Bud Light, right? Champagne is for sissies. I don't drink any of that stuff. And you kind of get this knee-jerk reaction. Well, maybe I find my identification and I work with my hands. And I'm an oil field guy and I'm from South Louisiana and I drive a big truck and that's my identification. But The truth is, if our identity is built on what we do, we're standing on shaky ground. Because the truth is, if our identity is in what we we do, then it can quickly be taken away. 
And I've seen this time after time. You have men and women that build their lives and their identities on what they do. And then one day it ends and they have no clue who they are anymore. So for instance, a mother that raises kids her entire life. And as soon as all the kids are out of the house, who are you? Or maybe you're a man that's worked in the oil field your entire life. And maybe you just retired and now you're sitting at home and you're saying, who am I? What is my purpose now? What do I do? God, what am I supposed to be? So if I were to take your job, your profession, what you do, where you find your identity in, ask yourself this deep level heart question, who are you? Who are you? If I were to take away what you do on a daily basis, like you weren't a mother, you didn't work in the oil field, you weren't an accountant, you weren't a manager, you weren't any of those things, and we were to strip that away from you, who would you be? Now here's the truth. Everyone's searching for identity. Because every single person has this innate desire inside of them to be something significant, right? Everybody wants their life to count for something. Nobody wants to just, you know, go through life and their life not mean anything. But the reason that so many of us find our identity in our careers or in our jobs because it's more than just a career to us. So let me give you an example. The reason some of you work insane hours, like 80, 90 hours a week, and the reason that you don't cut back, and the reason that you just continue to keep doing this is because it's not just a job to you. It's more than a job. It's actually your identity. And the reason that you can't cut back on it is because if you cut back, then you walk away from who you really are. Or let's say, let's say for instance, you're in a dating relationship, okay? And maybe you're with this guy, and this guy absolutely violates absolutely everything that you stand for, all of your convictions. But the reason that you can't walk away from the relationship is because it's your identity. And the reason to you it would be more, um, more tragedy to be alone on a Friday night rather than to continue to violate your convictions, Because we find our identity there. For some of us, what we do, our jobs and our careers, the reason that we struggle so hard with finding significant identity in Christ is because it's so much more than just a career. It's so much more than just a job. It's who we are. It is our identity. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Now remember, I've said this a thousand times. If we just talk, if all we do this morning is just talk, and we don't think internally, we've missed the point. So I want you to do this. Just like close your eyes for a second. Take five seconds and say this. Man, if I were to take away my career, if I was to take away me being a mother, a parent, a father, whatever, wherever it is, you know where it is, wherever you find your identity, if you were to remove that today, who would you be? Who would you be? Now look up here. I want you to walk away from this this morning asking yourself that question. God, if that was gone tomorrow, who would I really be? Where do I really find my identity? And I was telling my wife this a few days ago. I'll be honest with you. I wrestle with this at times. Like if the church was gone tomorrow and I wasn't Zach the pastor, who would I be? Would I really find my identity in being like a son of Jesus? It's hard to be rooted there sometimes, isn't it? Because what you do, you spend so much time and effort building and you carve out this life. But in the Nazi uh, concentration camps, they would actually break down the Jewish prisoners by removing their identification. 
So what they would do to get the Jewish people to submit to the Nazi kind of ways is what they would do is as soon as you would walk in the concentration camp, if you had any personal belongings, like anything, they would strip it from you. I'm not trying to be morbid here, but they, you would next walk into a place and they would strip you of your clothes. If you had chapstick in your pocket, it was now their chapstick, okay? Anything you own, they took it away from you. And not only that, they would ask you your name and they'd write it down on a little piece of paper and then they would then assign you a number. And you would get a patch or a tattoo on your arm and they would no longer call you by your name, but they would call you by like 0013. It was no longer Zachary McCann, it was, hey, 235, come over here. They would assign you a number and one of the ways that they would get the Jewish people to submit to the Nazi ways is they would strip them of their identity. They would strip them of their name. They would try to make them forget who they were. Ultimately, they were doing the best that they could to brainwash them, and they were pretty successful in it. But here's the truth. I think Satan operates the same way by twisting the reality of who you are in Christ many times. See, Satan wants to strip you of your true name. He wants to strip you of your true name, meaning that you're a son and daughter of Christ. He wants to strip that away from you and say, you know what, your past defines you. Your shame defines you. Your guilt defines you. The mistakes that you regret. Remember those middle school times and those high school times when you were trying to find identity and you made all these mistakes? Or hey, that past, that failed marriage that you had, Or man, that you were never the father that you should have been to those kids or the mother that you should have been to those kids. See, Satan wants to remove your identity in finding yourself rooted in Christ, knowing that you're a son or daughter of Jesus, and he wants to remove it from you and name you with something else. Just like they did in Nazi concentration camps, he wants to take your name from you. He wants to give you a new identity. But here's the truth. True identity is not found in what kind of group you associate with or a status that you have, but genuine identity is found in Jesus. And here's the, if if you get anything I say this morning, get this. The quickest way to forget what God says about you is to care more about what others say about you. The quickest way to forget what God says about you, that you are a son and daughter of Jesus and your past and your shame and your guilt has been forgiven is to listen more to the lies of other people and allow them to name you. And now your identity is in your regrets. It's in your failures and it's in your shame. So here's the question that I want to answer this morning. How do we find genuine identity in Christ? How do we find it? Number one. This is all taken directly from Scripture. If you want to turn to Philippians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 12, we're going to camp out there for just a moment. If you don't have it, we've got the Bible right there behind you. Number one, forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. If you want to find true identity in Christ, forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. And this is pulled directly from this text, and it says this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed for me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Now watch this. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and not looking and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. 
I want you to know this about Paul when he's writing this. He has a significant past. Like, significant. This guy is walking around with immense shame and guilt. He has murdered people. He has blasphemed Jesus. He has cursed and crucified many Christians. And now he gets saved and he turns around and he's trying to, basically he's reaching the people that he was persecuting. And so he is preaching to himself when he says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to the future. So if you want to find genuine identity in Christ, I know that every single person, including myself, walked in these doors this morning with some kind of shame, with some kind of regret. And listen, I want, I, that does not name you. It does not name you. That regret, that shame, even if it happened yesterday, if you put your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ, that is not your identity. Your shame, your regrets, your sins, your failures, everything, it does not define you. So if you want to find true identity in Christ, you have to learn to forget what lies behind and look forward to the future. Listen, if the past is what continuously defines you, you're going to remain continuously stuck spiritually. You're going to always be frustrated with yourself. Like, always. Remember when you were a teenager in middle school, or let's say preteen? Remember, like, I'm sorry if any middle school students are in here, but like when you were in middle school, at least when I was, I was weird. <laughs> like, I was just super weird. I went from like, anybody remember Jinko jeans? Anybody, anybody in here? It was like these jeans that it was like putting on a house is basically what it was. It was like these jeans that were way too wide. I, I remember going through this identity crisis in middle school where I was wearing Jinko jeans and then like two weeks later I was wearing Wranglers and I was, I was trying to figure out who I was. And I think here's the deal. Because many of us have gone through this cycle, that odd phase in life when we were trying to figure out who we are. Some of us are still in that place right now. Man, you could be 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, and you don't really know who you are. And here's the deal. Maybe you haven't found a solid career yet, okay? For some of you younger people in here that are maybe in your 20s, and you're going, man, I see other people that are in their 20s and their late 20s, and they've figured out what they want to do, and I'm sitting here 24, 25 years old just trying to figure out what the heck life is all about. Listen, you are not your career. What you do does not define you. Man, just because you got accountant over your name, that is not who you are. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's not who you are. Who you are is if you've submitted your life to Jesus, you are a son and daughter of God. That is your identity. So, here's the truth. Remember this. The quickest way to remember who you are in Jesus is knowing that you cannot look towards your past anymore and you have to look forward to the future. I'm sure that all of us at some point had this false identity that we created, right? So maybe you wanted so badly to fit in with people that were smarter than you, so you picked up some cheap fake glasses and you put them on and you tried to do a bunch of research and tried to hang out with a different crowd, right? And so some of you are still trying to do that. Maybe you're going from career to career to career to career to job to job to job. But in doing this, we all have a history, right? 
in doing this and constantly trying to figure out who we are, we all have these things that, that we regret. But here's the truth, and this is directly from Scripture. Your past is not your identity. Christ is your identity. This morning, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear who Jesus says you are if you've submitted and surrendered your life to Jesus. This is Scripture. John 1, 12. I am in Christ. I am a child of God. John 15, 15. In Christ, I am a friend of God. Romans 6, 5. In Christ, I am resurrected to new life. Colossians 3.12, in Christ I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. Now here's what I want you to hear. Apart from Christ, this is what you are. Apart from Christ, I am separated from God. Apart from Christ, I am in bondage to Satan. Apart from Christ, I am guilty and condemned. Apart from Christ, I am blind to the truth. So here's the deal. If you're having a hard time figuring out who you are, you've got to rest in knowing that man This is why reading the Bible and getting in life groups and community and not just being a part of a church where you actively are involved here and just showing up on a Sunday morning, but get involved in the life of the church because the more that you do, the more that you're going to understand who you are in Christ. The quickest way to forget where your identity comes from is to focus on what your past says about you. So number two, if we want to find our identity in Christ is what we've got to do. Number two, You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. Listen to what, this is directly from scripture, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are not like that. I love this line right here. But you are not like that. And then God's going to define what you are like. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. That's who you are. You're not who other people say you are. You're who God says you are. Listen, you're defined by God and God alone. You're not defined how you feel when you get out of bed in the morning. You're not defined by your emotions. You're not defined by the opinions of others. You're not defined by your circumstances. You're not defined by your successes or your failures, although some of us think we, we are. You're defined by God and God alone. 2 Corinthians one twenty two says it this way. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Here's the truth. If you really want to find identity in Christ, who we are is not what we externally portray, but rather who we internally know. That's who you are. So let me put it this way. The mask that you put on every single day, that's not who you are. And here's the truth. If you've ever tried to live this false persona, it is exhausting. It's like just absolutely exhausting. Who you are, really, if you want to know who you really are, you want to ask yourself that question, sit in a room by yourself for 20 minutes with nothing going on, kind of like we talked about last week. Silence yourself with nothing going on and allow your thoughts to go on and who you are when nobody else is around. That's who you really are. That's your true, deepest self. When there's no distractions, when there's nobody around you and you're left just to think by yourself, that's who you are. See, that's character. That's your true self, who you are when nobody else is looking. And that's the self that God wants to deal with. Not the self that you portray in front of everybody else. 
You know, growing up as a kid, and many of you guys know this story, but growing up as a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home, okay? And so one of the things that I grew up early on in life was just really learning to be real. Because if I confessed anything to anybody, everybody was telling my dad, <laughs> your son, man, he's jacked up, you know what I mean? Somebody was always going to tell my dad because they felt the need, like, well, he's a pastor and he needs to know this about his son because he needs to keep his family in order. So there was always this tendency in my life to be fake. My mom will tell you, I was the best of liars. Like, I, I mean, I had it down. I was so good at lying, I even believed my own lies. That's how good I was. And some of you know what I'm talking about. But there was just this incessant thing of like, if I let people know who I really am, then man, they're going to think I'm messed up. Here's the truth. And I'm not trying to be harsh or anything. You're already messed up. (laughs) It's just the truth. Like apart from Jesus, we're already messed up. There is nothing, I promise you, there is nothing that you can confess and get real about that God will ever be shocked of. Ever. Ever. And so here's the deal. You're not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. And listen, church people, resist coming in these doors and putting on a mask. Resist it. Because there is this thing. It doesn't matter if you, whatever church or campus, if you're visiting today, every single church in America deals with it. Walk through these doors and you just, in your car, you and your wife just got in the biggest argument and you're going through hell. And you're whipping kids and spanking kids and changing poop and all this kind of stuff. And you walk into these doors, you're like, ha ha, life is awesome. <laughs> and you look at your five-year-old and you're like, Pastor Zach, smile. <laughs> like, oh God, I never smile. Why should I smile? <laughs> there is this tendency to want to put on just this fake essence of somebody that we're really not. You know why? Because we're more concerned about who other people think we are rather than the God of the universe says we are. Listen, it doesn't really matter what people say about you. The only thing I care about, the only thing that Paul ever, the New Testament writer cared about was who God said he was. And you're loved, you're treasured. You're my son, you're my daughter. I've noticed it with my little girl. Man, I can tell her anything like anything, and like, I got her. (laughs) Like, she is totally, and I'm wrapped too, but she is totally wrapped in anything that I say. Like, anything, she is so excited if I'm like, let's go get an ice cream cone. Just me and you? Like, yeah, sure, babe, just me and you. It's like her world, that ice cream cone and dad. And I, I promise you, in her eyes right now, and I know it's gonna come one day, and I'm not really looking forward to it, where I will be, you know, not perfect. But in her eyes right now, I am flawless. I'm untouchable. And I'm kind of enjoying it. (laughs) But here's the deal. The thing that I love about the gospel, the thing that I love about Jesus, is when he saves you and he sets you free, he wraps you in righteousness, meaning this, all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, he does not see it anymore. He sees his son. And this is why the, the, the story of the prodigal son is so powerful. Because he comes back from living this crazy, debaucherous, party, licentious lifestyle. 
and he welcomes, comes back home to the father and thinks that, man, I'm just going to get it. My dad is going to go to town on me. What does he do? He throws sandals on his feet, ring on his finger, and a robe around him, and he says, my son has returned home. And there's power in that. You're not who other people say you are. You are who God says you are. Number three. Rooted identity. And this is, I I chose this word very strategically. Rooted identity. Picture a tree. You know the oak trees all throughout New Orleans and the water oaks that we have when Hurricane Katrina came through and those trees went nowhere. Their roots were dug down so deep It didn't matter what kind of storm came through. They weren't going anywhere. So this is what this means. Rooted identity is found in knowing that you are owned by God. That you are owned by God. Meaning this, 1 Peter 2.10. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Like before you knew Jesus, you had no name. You had no identity. Your identity was in sinking, shaky ground. It was in your career. It was in what you did. It was in being a mother. It was in being a father. It was in being a parent. But now that you are owned by Jesus, you are loved by Jesus, you have this rooted identity that when the storms of life come, when trials come, when things get difficult and times just get incessantly rough, God is enough for you. I was reading um, some things this past week, and I stumbled across this, and I thought it was very interesting. The early Christians proudly bore the title of bondservant, meaning owned by Christ. Like, we are slaves to Jesus, meaning like we are owned and our identity is found in Christ. And here's what they did. They embraced the identity of a servant and their identity as a son or daughter of Christ impacted the way that they lived. Man, it impacted their perspective on the world. The reason they called themselves bond servants is because they knew they were owned by Christ and no matter what they did, even if they went into a town and there was threats to kill them and there was threats to murder them or do whatever, their identity was so rooted in Christ, they knew who they were, it didn't matter what life threw at them. So here's the question that I have for you today. Are you proud to be owned by Christ? Or do you prefer another title? Are you proud to be a son and daughter of the king? Or do you prefer another title? Doctor, paramedic, hairdresser, whatever it may be, mother, father. And the reality is, if you belong to Christ, you are owned by Christ, and you are compelled by his mission, and there's nothing in this world, even though storms may come, your foundation will always be solid if your identity is rooted in knowing that you are owned by Christ. But here's the deal. If it's not, what you find your identity in can quickly be taken away. And let me, let me prove it to you. So... And, and I'm only sharing this because my dad has stood on this stage and shared this same exact story, okay? When my dad, about six years ago, um, got diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like this almost seismic shift for him. Like, man, if, if I die 
Or if I get put down on my back and I can't be a pastor anymore and I can't lead a church anymore, who am I? And it was, I'll be honest with you, all of our pastors, we walked very closely with them and it was rough. It was rough for him, it was rough for us. It was a tough season. And the thing that I love about it though is I begin to see my dad in this year really find his identity, not in what he accomplished, not in what he built, not in what he did, but rather being just a son. And this is evident now because um, for many of you that know that we were one church, three campuses, and my dad travels to every single campus once a month now. And he doesn't have to be anywhere. He doesn't have to be at Jennings. And that was the toughest thing in the beginning because it was a church that we started and he had preached there for 15 years. And how can I leave here? Because I've always been here. But he had to come to groups with, you know what, my, my identity is not found in being behind the pulpit in Jennings, Louisiana. My identity is found in being a son of Jesus Christ. So hear me, I'm not Zachary the pastor. I am Zachary, son of the king, owned by God, maker of the stars and heavens and of the cosmos. That's who I am. I'm not Zachary McCann, father of, of five, husband to Claire. I'm Zachary McCann, loved by God, even though I've failed and royally screwed it up at times. That's who I am. Like, deeply, if I can find my identity in that, whatever life throws at me, I'm solid. And number four, if not, this is the most important. And this is probably the most difficult. Number four, true identity is understanding that God canceled your record of debt. So let me put it to you this way, First Peter 2, 10 through 11. Once you received no mercy, meaning before you knew Christ, there was no mercy. Now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents, do we remember that? Man, life is short. Like James says, you're here today and gone tomorrow. He says, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Man, if you're not careful, this world will tell you who to be. Your friends will tell you who to be. Your boss will tell you who to be. Your career will tell you who to be. But for many of us, our past will tell us who we are. Man, your regrets, your failures, your mistakes, they weigh heavy on many of you in here this morning. Man, some of you just, you wrestle with that big time, right? Man, I know that God would just truly, fully love me if I would have never done this. True identity is found in the fact that God canceled your record of debt even though you didn't earn it. You didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, but because he loved you, because he was righteous, because he was good, and he looked down upon sons and daughters and said, there's nothing good about you, but I love you anyway. Here's what it'd be like. I know every single person can resonate with this in here. It'd be like you get a phone call one day, your banker calls you, and he says, hey, listen, I don't know you, I know nothing about you, but I'm staring at your account right now. And um, I'm looking at your house note, and you've got about 25 years left. 
which if you just think about that, that's depressing in itself. You've got about 25 years left. I don't know you. I know nothing about your family. Um, Would it be okay if we paid your mortgage off today? What would be your answer? Absolutely, right? You would hang up that phone and you would tell everybody that you knew. Dude, you're never going to believe this. I just got this crazy call from my banker. I just checked my mortgage account and my balance says zero. And all your friends, the next question they would begin to ask you is, well, who do you know? Hook me up, right? Who was this person? To which your response would be, I have no idea. I've never met this guy in my life other than a phone call. I don't know who he is. He doesn't know me. He knows nothing about my family. He just called me and said that he wants to pay my debt off. We must remind ourselves daily that a greater identity is found in a God who paid your debt off. And there was nothing that you could do to return the favor. Nothing. Like, man, I, I've been so, like, a, week, a few months ago, Claire and I, you guys know the story, somebody gave us a van. Like, what do you say to that? <laughs> like, you're speechless. All my wife could do is just, like, just cry. You know what I mean? They, I mean, thank you is not sufficient in, in something like that, right? And listen, for what God has done for each and every one of us, and I want you to hear this, because I know some of you are sitting in here this morning and you're going, listen, Zach, I know what you're saying. It sounds great. It sounds good, but it's not for me because you don't know what I've done. I don't, but God does. You know why I love the story of the thief on the cross so much? Because there was absolutely nothing that that guy did ever in his life worthy of God saving him. In fact, he's being murdered and hung on a cross next to Jesus Christ for crimes that he committed. Man, imagine the past that this guy has. And he just puts his faith and his trust in Jesus in that day. And Jesus looks over at at him and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So this proves to me, according to the gospel, I don't care what you've done. What kind of sin, what kind of guilt, what kind of shame, what kind of baggage you walked in these doors. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can walk out of these doors today free. Totally free in knowing that a God loves you regardless of what you've done. It's like the bank person calling you and saying, I'm paying off your debt and you've done nothing to earn it. And this is true identity. Knowing that, man, I have a God that knows me, that loves me, that cares about me. That's where my identity needs to be rooted. Our identity is found in the endless sea of undeserving mercy that we receive on a daily basis. So here's the truth. I'm going to close with this. In every way possible, every way possible, we have betrayed, backstabbed, cursed and even at times shaken our fists toward God saying God where are you why have you left me why have you forsaken me and here's the deal God time after time after time still chooses to cancel your record of debt after you've backstabbed him cursed him shaken your fist towards the heavens he still loves you 
He's still for you. He still wants you. And he still wants you to be a part of your, his family. That is your identity. And so I, if I leave you with anything this morning, please, I beg you, do not find your identity in what you do. Because that's what you do. It's not who you are. Who you are is a son and daughter of Jesus. That's who you are. So some of you, here's what we did. We, if you were with us last week, we talked about technology. We talked about learning to silence things and learning to be quiet. And I think for many of us, we need to walk out of here today. And man, we just need to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, just with some quiet. And ask yourself that deep question, God, who am I? Like if I were to strip away all this stuff, and your talents, your abilities. I'll be honest with you, I've wrestled with that. For the most part of my life, I've been able to do a whole lot of things. And I usually haven't had that one thing that I can do very, very well, but I've always been talented in a lot of things. And so it was easy for me to just gravitate towards, oh, I'm a musician. Oh, I can do videos. Oh, I can preach. Oh, I can do this. And, and really getting lost in this endless sea of not knowing who I really am. Because one week I found my identity and how good I was at this. And the next week I found my identity and how good I was at this. Now here's the flip side of that. What if you fail? Man, what if your identity is so rooted in being a mom and then your kid walks away and runs away from Jesus for a time? Are you a failure? see God is sovereign and if your identity is in him then you know man I did the best to raise my child God loves my child more than I do he cares about them more than I do and if my identity is wrapped in Jesus man then I'm I'm standing on solid ground let's pray Father we thank you for who you are God I pray that this morning God, we would find true identity in you. God, not identity in what we do, not identity in the gifts and talents that we have, but identity in you, God. Just in a moment, Mike's going to come out here. He's going to lead you just in a prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, and I want to encourage you, if that is you, Go to the Connect kiosk right after. Fill out a card. Let us know that you made a decision so that we can pray with you. We can get back with you. We can talk with you about all this stuff. But I want you to know this. Everybody look up at me real quick. You're not who others say you are. You're not your past regrets. You're not your past failures. You're none of those things. Your identity is rooted in Jesus. You're a son and you're a daughter. And the best way that I could describe it is when we walk places and we sit in restaurants, we have a large family, and so people always just feel the compulsive need to come up and talk to us. They always have kind of one kind of knee-jerk response. <laughs> or it's usually a bunch of old ladies I remember the time when I was raising those kids and they ask us questions and there's this 
constant thing that I see my kids do. I'm Eli McCann. I'm Isaac McCann. And they're proud of who they are. They're proud of the family that they're a part of. And listen, God wants you to be the same way. He wants your identity to be so rooted in him. No matter what goes on, no matter what happens, you're proud to say, you know what, I belong to Jesus. That's my identity. Christ is my identity. Love you guys.